everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Civ Show Podcast. I'm your host, Moisas. And I'm Nystagmus, and we're also joined by AFK this time. So AFK, baby. <laughs> He's back, and he looks as good as ever. Yeah. <laughs> but we suck, so you don't have to, by the way. Oh, anyway, um, Zoe is not here this week. He decided to go uh, pitch some tents out in the woods today. Uh, he was supposed to give a statement, but in typical Zoe fashion, he forgot. So uh, we don't have that. Uh, for all we know, he's missing and we should call 911 right now. But you know what? He's on his own. He's doing his thing. He's doing the quintessential Canadian thing, going out camping, which usually when Canadians say they're going to go camping, it means we're going to go to a wooded area, stand around a campfire and drink beer. That That's generally what happens. My camping as a kid was me pitching a tent in my backyard. And that was oh, I remember doing that. That was always awesome, man. That was awesome. That was you, fun, but that was yeah. that was as much camping as I ever did. And I, I still to this day haven't really gone camping. Like I've gone to the cottage, but I've always slept in a structure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't. I don't know if I can do the whole sleep on the ground or sleep on the like. On, I, I don't know how comfortable tents are. I don't, I don't know if you bring like a blow up mattress or if you just sleep on the ground. I don't even know if I can do it, man. It's not my yeah, type of thing. Yeah, you're talking to me, the the kid who used to be a scout, right? I, I, yeah, I, I, I was today. Uh, I learned. I, was, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was a cub and I was a scout. I was actually an adventurer for a while too, which is like the level above um, Scouts Canada. Um, okay, but it's less. It's less formal. So um, our our group dissolved after like you know six months. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've been winter camping. Been you know winter out, camping. Yeah, oh yeah. my hell no! Are you serious? <laughs> if you have the white equipment, winter camping is pretty fun. Oh like shut it, obviously up! It sucks. No, you, you can't convince like, me. If you yeah. show up with like a like a summer tent or like you know crappy uh, sleeping bags, and yeah, it's not going to be fun at all. But like it is, it can be pretty fun. There's such thing as a winter tent. It's yeah. a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa! So winter sleeping oh. bags too. I know that. Yeah, because I, I see win- uh, sleeping bags that are advertised for like minus thirty five Celsius or something like that. And I'm like, wow, yeah. that was, that's actually like you're mild. really good. There, there are a lot of oh, like shut- equipment that. Yeah, you can get equipment that's like rated to like minus, you know, 50, minus 60 degrees Celsius too. Holy moly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, (laughs) civilization, right? Civilization. Here we go. Last week, we introduced our new format, the Big Game Hunters. It was a three humans, Mizo and Nystagmus, Mm -hmm. versus five AI. However, it's an eight player free for all. So everybody's for themselves and there's still only one winner. These five AIs are all on deity level. So it is the most difficult it can be, and that's the format. So currently, as it stands, Rome has been taken and then taken back by yeah. yourself. So yeah, most of the uh, action has taken place within my empire in this game. Um, so you know what happened was uh, I spawned with uh, three computers on my continent. Uh, Moy spawned with two computers on his continent, um, and Zoe spawned by himself as usual. That seems to be uh, so. This, so he, he has to have some sort of exploit that's going on with that. Um, but yeah, he spawned by himself um, with everything that his Civ needed too, which was kind of weird, right? He had a big desert, um, literally in the middle of the desert. Yeah, like like I couldn't believe it. But I I learned that Mali. It's only with with um for those who don't know uh zoe is playing the mali i'm playing korea and nystagmus is playing rome mm-hmm. so zoe spawned in the middle of the desert however i didn't know this it's only flatland desert that gets the i think it's plus one faith plus one gold i think okay. it, i think it is and so because I, I, I remember i was looking at this the stream and i was kind of looking at his tiles and i'm like where's the plus faith and i'm like i don't really see it and i think a lot of them were hills and so I don't know how much of the I don't know how much truly he advantage he got, but he did get eventually the pantheon that gave him the plus adjacency for holy sites yeah. and desert, and that hurt. That hurts us. Yeah, and uh, he he got the Petra too, right? So yeah, and he got Petra, dude. His tiles look crazy right now, but he had a massive sandstorm that pillaged his holy site. And he's like, this is glitched. This is bugged. I don't have my production anymore. What's going on? And then someone in chat, it's like, uh, didn't you just have a sandstorm rip, rip through your lands? Like, once it's pillaged, it's gone. He's like, ah. Uh. <laughs> well, you know, at least he has time to end production to spare to build wonders. I wish I had production to spare to build wonders while my empire was being overrun by the Manpucci. Um 
Okay, so the reason I'm why I played on tilt yet. that game, I was on tilt for like the half of that game, right? So, and I apologize to everybody because I was I was like not happy, but um, uh, I thought I thought I turned it. Like I thought I thought Manpucci um, like attacked me, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm turning this around, and then they just showed up with like all these units and just like wiped me out. Um, also, I lost my vampire to a misclick, so that was awesome. Uh, oh and, yeah, uh, I totally forgot about that. So yeah, it just <laughs> I I keep doing things and doing, and I've actually went back and watched it. I did it. I killed the vampire because I misclicked him. So when he when he went back to the capital, I accidentally clicked him to attack a barbarian immediately after he respawned at the capital, and he died. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so, so I, I actually <laughs> I captured that moment. It's like it happened. You saw it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. I mean, yeah, I totally purposely had it on your camera uh, at that particular <laughs> moment. And yeah. uh, well, uh, um, yeah, yeah, I was like just watching because it was like you can when you're switching. It wasn't like zoomed in on that moment, but I, it's what I deduced that happened because I couldn't oh. figure out anyone who actually attacked the capital and killed the vampire. Um, and so I was like, the only way this happened was it did that auto cycle thing where it cycled through my unit and I accidentally clicked on it to attack. Um, a barbarian and so it only yeah, had it one it. yeah it only had one health so it attacked a barbarian with with one health and then died um and so that was that was uh awesome i went back and decided to uh get really mad about that um uh and so i lost my vampire had to wait to a new era to get a new vampire um and then manpucci took over rome and then zoe helped me take it back and then as soon as i started getting back on my feet brazil out of nowhere <laughs> attacks me we were actually Let's he was talk he, about that after he was actually smiley he was a smiley face with me he was friendly with me and he just like surprise warred me out of nowhere I don't, I'm so su- I'm surprised at that but me being Korea I don't I don't I don't really have a focus on war right now unless I have to uh, I couldn't get to you you're on the complete opposite side of the world as me I can't go west because it's completely blocked off by a continent so I can't get any boats that way so I had to go east. And then I went, when I did go east, I was on the wrong side of your continent. So then I had to go all the way south and then go around your continent to finally meet you. So I just met you before we ended the session last game. Uh, last last game. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going stick, to stick with those words. Um, and so Works. I Everyone knows what help. we're referring to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I couldn't really even help you even, even, if, uh, even if I, c- I could. Right? Well... Luckily, I uh, decided to turn this event uh, of Brazil declaring war on me into a a cluster um, of because apparently it's very easy to convince the computers to attack each other. I did not realize this um, because uh, so Brazil attacked me. So now he's at war with with Zoe and me and we're at war with the Manpucci, but then we made peace with them. Um, and then, so I'm only at war with Brazil, but if anyone remembers from the game, Brazil is way ahead of me. I I'm building like, I'm maybe a right about to be able to build bombards and Brazil has artillery. So this, this is how much has like 170 science or something yeah. like that. It's so nuts. I am completely outclassed here. Um, and what I, what we decided to try doing was, and we kind of, in uh, apologies, we kind of screwed over Moy on this one, but we'll get to um, that. We'll get to that. But what I did was I asked Saladin, who's my other neighbor, to attack Brazil because they were at war before. And it took one gold to convince him to do that because he said <laughs> no immediately. And then I said, what will it take to make this like happen? And he said one gold. I'm like, OK, yeah, give me a penny. All right. <laughs> um, so I did that. And then I asked the Manpucci, who hate me, um, to attack war on him as well. And it took them one gold as well to convince <laughs> him to do it. Um, and so... Yeah, so now Brazil is now fighting me, Zoe, and the other two people on the continent, um, and so that was very interesting. And we haven't even met the computers on your on on your continent. But. No, so on my continent there is America, uh, Rough Rider America. I think it's Rough Rider, and then uh, who's the other person on my continent? China, China. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was al- I'm allies with America, China, and Brazil. Because those were the first three that I met that wanted to be my friend. Saladin doesn't really like me. They're like, eh, on me. And then also the other person that's on your island, not Mapuche, but the other guy. Uh, do you remember who it is? Yeah, it's Brazil. No, there's more than another one on your island. It's Mapuche, Saladin, and Oh, Brazil. so I guess it's Mapuche. So Mapuche in Arabia doesn't like me. They don't like me. So I'm like, okay, I'll be friends with Brazil. So I'm allies with yeah Brazil. America, China. And so when 
Zoe declared war on Brazil. He declared war on me in turn. And I didn't even meet him yet. And then suddenly he's like, I'm at war with him. I'm like, what? And that's how I met him. I didn't even, I didn't even meet one of his units. I just went to war with him apparently. <laughs> so I'm at war with Zoe and I had to somehow get peace out of him. Uh, somehow. I hope he doesn't be like, nope, not doing it. Just going to come down your lands and kill all your people. I don't think that so. He has, a, he has his hands full right now with, uh, with maybe, but he continent. also could be in full military mode where he just wants to keep going in full military mode. So we'll see about that. However, I'm getting ahead in science. So I don't know if he can finish his war with Brazil and then come to war with me. I don't think that'll work out for him very well, despite him being in full military mode. So I'm at war with Zo, and then you convinced Arabia to declare war on Brazil. So now I'm at war with Arabia, and then you declared, war, and then you convinced Mapuche to declare war on Brazil, and now I'm at war, I'm at war with Mapuche, and I'm at war with war with half the world and apparently this is how world war one started and, and we're just replicating it and then i wonder <laughs> because sense. i wonder if because you're uh you're allied with the two people on your continent if that automatically makes all the computers on our continent at war with them as well no so they're not allied with brazil oh, okay it's, it's, so i like when you're when you make an ally with somebody you're you have a defensive pact with that oh. one like that pair so okay. just because i'm friends with brazil they're what world me so they're not a, they're not at war with america or anything like that okay okay so that then it would be really like how world war one started if that happened like all the alliances basically force everyone to just declare war <laughs> after like two people declared war on each other and then it just it just sucks everyone else into the conflict yeah. um which is exactly what happened in, in with the alliance system during world war one so that that's pretty interesting turn of events in uh um in our game uh, I don't know how I'm, how I'm going to play this. Uh, if Brazil pushes on me, um, he's going to take my my new capital, which is what happened after Rome was taken. <laughs> um, I have no way of withstanding that attack. Um, and even if I do, uh, I know Zoe keeps on saying like, "You'll come back, you'll come back." I'm like, I am so far behind. Uh, dude, steal! Like, I have to, I have to not be allies with Brazil and then attack his attack his. Uh his left side, his, his West. It's the only way for him to like split his army or maybe he's not going to really attack you or he's going to split his army where everyone's going to be focused. He's going to have to focus in so many different places. He's already at war with uh, his North, his Northeast with you and his East with Saladin. And there's, I don't know if he's got to protect so many fronts and you, you already know that Mapuche is ready for war. He already went to war with you and he has military units and he's going to keep building his military units because he is in his prime right now, boy. Mm -hmm. And then there's Saladin who has his knights who's also in his prime or it's just past his prime and I can't tell. But he is going to be like, yeah, let's do it. Like 100%. So you, you, you convince the two people who are just going to rip through Brazil uh, Brazil doesn't have a unique unit other than a battleship, which they could have if they have steel at this point, <laughs> which is very oh, that, scary. That would be scary, yeah. That would be very scary. We can have all the military in the world. We can't take as cities because they're so well defended with this steel, right? So, Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, you'd have to get to... Because bombards are so useless against steel. They're useless against Renaissance, and steel is better than Renaissance. <laughs> so, you'd yeah, have to have gonna, like bombers or or yeah bombers basically artillery is good against steel uh zo tested that when he was like pummeling my cities for so long and then he finally got artillery and i had steel and he like in two shots killed my walls he had an army of artillery mind you so it's a little bit it's it's stronger than the regular artillery yeah. but it was good enough to rip through my walls like my like it chunked it so hard yeah, so either so way, like, we'll, we'll see how it goes next week. I feel like I'm going to be more of like kingmaker, I guess, um, as opposed to like have being someone who could actually have a, um, a you know, a viable way forward to, uh, 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 to, to win. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I thought, oh man, I was, you know, the other reason too, is I thought I was doing so well too. I was doing so well up to that point, And then the man just showed up and just like, like just beat me down it was so bad dieting man diety i told i i remember i told you this at the almost at the very start when you were fast expanding i'm like hey we're on diety difficulty let's worry about our defenses and you're like nope i got a game plan i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna fast no, expand so, so i don't have to worry about it 
So it was just like if I had a couple more turns, I would have had my defensive permit permitted up. It was a bad game. It was a gamble, but I think it would have pulled off because I had my legions and I was going to start building my Roman forts. Mm. Right. And if I had those up, there is no way they were going to come through. So the classic strat apparently on deity, at least from Vector Cat, our deity expert, our local deity expert, is just build a ton of slingers and then upgrade them to archers and you're good. Right. You have archers, you sit them in your city, you sit them behind your city so that they have to come around. But if they come around, they're kind of, you know, whatever. Uh, they're At least they're not attacking your city. And then you could just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. Even if it only takes off a fifth of their health, if you have five archers, you can kill one unit every turn and one of your, none of your units die. And that's enough just to keep poking away at the bear until he finally gets away, Right. Mm. Build your archers. They're really good. I noticed when you were defending, you had zero range. And when you did, they were outside your cities. Why? Right. Well, so I was switching to building my archers. But the thing was, is that when the initial attack, I stopped it. I then was going, like, the reason why the I, I discovered the units coming to kill me was I thought I had the, I pushed my advantage. So I was actually moving my army up to attack him and start taking like his cities. I was going to take oh. that city city he took. Oh, right? that's so, so tough, man. I was, so I was transitioning to offense, right? And so I, that's why I didn't like what, the, that's why I said it was like, it was like one or two poor decisions I made that like it made it bad. So if I, all the things that were about to complete when I was moving forward were my legions, right? Because they're awesome against like cities too, right? Like they, mm-hmm. like they're pretty good. Um, and so if I, Push his army back before it came back to kill me. If I was building archers instead and build, playing a defensive game, then yeah, I probably would have would have held it off. But because I was I was focusing on an offensive game because I was like, oh yeah, maybe I like killed all his units or most of the units, right? And I could just go and start attacking his cities and and because uh, um, I, I had a streak. I had um I killed seven of his I think seven of his units before they killed one of mine. So I think maybe I got a little overconfident with my uh, my tactical. Uh, uh, my ta- uh, my tactical ability. <laughs> I yeah, was like, you oh have my to God, really, I'm crushing him. <laughs> you have to really be crushing the guy and before you can take uh, the cities. Uh, change of topic here. Mm-hmm. If you had to choose between right now, who's going to win? I, I would assume you're probably not going to pick yourself. No, obviously not. <laughs> uh, just based off of what you've told me in the past. <laughs> I don't even think, even if I was like in a good position, possibly winning position, I wouldn't choose myself. <laughs> if Who do you think is currently in the lead this game? Azo. Uh, why? I, I agree with you, but I'm wondering why you say why you say One, that. One, his score, his score, he has a good score lead on us. If, He's if got a lot win. of wonders. I, don't, I, I never count whoever's in the, whoever's in the lead with just score. It's, it's, I know, I know, but, misleading. I'm, but I am going by our victory conditions, right? True. So, okay. so one of our victory conditions is we're going to do this for two weeks. If by the end of, of next week, we don't have a, a clear cut winner, um, then we have to go by score. Right. So he's got the True. score edge. Right. Um, the only thing that may like cut that down is the fact that now he's in full on. Um, I'm going to try to take over the world mode. Um, <laughs> and so he may not build any more wonders, but so he's got the score edge. Um, he doesn't really have a science edge or anything like that. So um, I think, I just think he's in the best position. So he's on a continent with me as his ally. Um, and he's got a couple of um, civilizations just ripe for the picking for him to just start, you know, crushing cities and stuff like that. Um, in fact, if he wanted to, he can continue because he has could because he has a city on my continent. Loyalty is not going to be as big of a deal. You can still surround his city with your cities and, and loyalty, but like, hey man, just get more cities on my island. And he can't. Like, well, that sucks. And then you can kind of like take over your continent back that way, and then try to make allies with some CPUs and be like, yeah, come attack me, I dare you. Like, come I was on. still surprised by how poorly um, the Roman cities were faring with uh, uh, war weariness. Because, you know, they start with mon- monuments and stuff, right? So you would think like the culture and... Monuments like don't affect amenities. No, no, but what I meant was I was losing cities to loyalty. 
at one oh, point. Loyalty. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I wasn't I wasn't pushing out my borders as much as I could because my cities were so like war weary. Oh, um, so the so, war weariness is affecting your amenities, which was affecting yeah. your loyalty. Got yeah. it. I'm, now I'm caught up. Okay. And, okay. and so I'm not in any position to like start like exporting my um, my uh, uh, loyalty mainly because my amenities haven't been fixed yet. I know I'm not at war with Mampuchi anymore, but um, I still had like minus two amenities because they they uh, when they took Rome, that's where a lot of my luxury resources were, um, and I haven't been able to uh, recuperate. Pair that of those, yet. okay. And okay. it's about to get a whole lot worse because I have a bunch of units that are about to die to Brazil. So <laughs> we'll have to see what happens. So currently in Koreatown, over my land, uh, I think I'm like second or third possibly possibly fourth but like like really close um to science per turn right now um i've now got my like 100 percent adjacency bonuses i have campuses in almost i think all of my cities or the seowans and all of my cities and they dude this seowan is it's it's weird but really good but if you play it wrong they could just be really bad so you can't, if you build them beside another district, that's minus one uh, science. Okay, so they start with four. You have, to build, you have to build it on a hill, and they start with four adjacency bonus. So if you build it next to another district, minus one. So you need to build this far away from everything else, if you can. If you, if you can. Hmm. Then, if you build it next to your city center, which counts as a district, quote-unquote, minus one so you need to at least buy a tile away before you can build it and then if you kind of crowd your cities too much in a way where you kind of start running out of room to play some districts and then now you have to kind of you have to kind of start scavenging and it's like okay i have to place a district here because it's the only place i can place it you can get a minus one too so you can only have you you could potentially get yourself down to a zero I would assume you can't go negative, but you can potentially go down to a zero in that uh, in that aspect. Plus, now with the new diplomatic quarter, having that beside your districts make it more protected. But if you play it right, all the Seowans are going to be completely alone and completely vulnerable. The only way to protect them is a counter spy or just luck of the draw that your diplomatic quarter just gives you that edge because it gives you like a base protection against uh, offensive spies just gives yeah. you that little bit of an edge that your their offensive spies are going to be worse it's 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 weird it's it's that's the, the best way to describe it the first one you ever build however i know i'm rambling a little bit but the first one you ever build is the biggest difference you, you get in in the entire game because the plus four you immediately get the whole almost classical era was like one or two turns to research anything, even in quick speed, which I was mm. super surprised. Now, say one, I learned. So I did a bit of, I did a little bit of fact checking here. Okay, you're gonna be really proud of me, Mr. History Buff. Uh one is a was a school, basically. It's just like a just a school, and they this is like back in the day, they started tearing them down, but the Korean government said, okay, if you're going to start tearing these down, leave these nine and we're making these heritage sites. So you cannot take these nine down. So only not, maybe my number's wrong, but only nine exist in all of Korea now. And now it's their cultural heritage site, which I guess why it's like, okay, if you have a unique building, like this is the building that you have and they define your heritage. So this is the sale one. That's my research on Korea. There you go. Thank you. This has become better know civilization with Moisash. <laughs> Signing off. Try to steal my through my thumb. <laughs> Actually, well, I will. Uh, I will. When you ask, like, who has the best chance of winning? I, I think I'll give like probabilities. I think it's like forty percent likely none of us win, and a computer wins. Okay. okay. Right. Okay. Um, then I think it's like forty percent likely that, or like you know, thirty to thirty-five percent likely that Zoe will win. Like he has a third chance, basically, um, and if he does win, it'll likely be like either a religious victory or a culture victory, um, and then you have like a twenty to twenty-five percent chance of victory. It would probably most likely be a science victory, um, 
And then I have like a two to like one to two percent chance of winning. And that would just be like if everyone just decides to implode and I just like show up and like um, expand or something like that. That's if suddenly I accidentally turn on apocalypse mode and meteors just start falling from the ground and everybody yeah. starts dying. <laughs> like we, we turn on apocalypse mode and the meteors just target everyone but uh, but Rome, basically. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Zoe can win a religious victory. I don't think he has it in him. I don't think he has it in him to really focus solely on religion he'll he'll he only like he passively does it and he gets the traits to only passively do it he gets the one that when he settles a new city it's the majority in a city so he doesn't have to buy missionaries he gets the one that you know is plus 30 percent stronger or goes 30 percent further away from his cities because he doesn't have to build missionaries right he always goes for like the Grandmaster Ch- chapel which is you you purchase military units with faith which is by far the best second second tier building you can get um if you ask me the new meta right now faith military void singers mm-hmm. i had this discussion with vector cat earlier like a very yeah. very brief one um easily the new like meta if you're playing with secret societies on because all you got to do is focus on faith you're going to keep up with science culture and gold because 20 percent of your order is faith is the new gold man faith is the new gold yeah. You don't want, like, you don't even need to build anything, just faith. And you can, you can shit out faith, pardon my French, as you would say. You can just poo it out because, man, those holy sites with this massive adjacency bonuses you can get with pantheons, the, the buildings you can, you can get, even the additional buildings that you can get, it is insane the amount of faith per turn you can get. 1,000 faith per turn is not hard to achieve. You can get it with probably five cities, if yeah. that. And we got Vector Cat in the chat here agreeing with you. Yep, it was already so good, and voice singers just made it so much better. Well, yeah, I, I, I really, really want to play a Faith Civ. Like, I am I'm dying to play a Faith Civ at this point, <laughs> which is so weird to say on the Civ show. I, I, I didn't think I'd ever say something like that. Um, do you want to take a break? Yeah, we'll take a short break. Yeah, that's good. Let's take a short break. All right, let's take a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about this new game that's been quite a little bit of a buzz lately called Humankind. It's the other 4X game made by or published by Sega. Uh, And we're going to be talking a little bit about it and contrasting and comparing the differences and the similarities between Humankind and Civilization. So don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Welcome back to the Civ Show podcast. We suck so you don't have to. Let's talk about humankind. It's not civilization, but it's related. It's kind of like its evil cousin. So, hey, humankind, here we go. Humankind is developed by uh, a company called Amplitude. They call humankind its magnum opus. If you don't know what that means, basically it's their grand like possession like this like this is the project that they're most proud of and the the best thing that they'll ever make um they're doing some really interesting approaches when even when it comes to developing the game so right now humankind is in a closed pre-alpha so it's really early stages and you need an invite in order to get into this pre-alpha you can sign up for an invite on their website uh humankind.game and you can you if you're if you're chosen you can try it out uh it goes until monday august let me grab the date here really quick august 17th is the last day of this current beta and then they'll probably open it up again and uh we go from there but what i'm getting to here is they are so early in the game however they're releasing this pre-alpha version because they want to develop the game alongside community feedback, which I think is awesome. Because I cannot tell you how many times that a game gets released and immediately, immediately, the community is like, why did you do it this way? Like, I don't, I just, it blows my mind. And so I think it's super interesting that it's not just a company building a game, it's a company plus the fans and community that are kind of building this game and uh that's that's really interesting do you know like i don't i don't know how like really into the gaming 
industry side you are on but do you know of any other game that kind of does that before it's released so not counting like updates in starcraft and not counting updates in like games that are already released yeah just that, like, my, my number one was gonna be starcraft right like yeah Starcraft right. does that a lot right like um blizzard does that for a lot of their games um i think they do it for like warcraft too as well right um debatably yeah <laughs> probably not to I this take, extent but, okay. um, yeah <laughs> probably not to this extent but um uh, i guess maybe the warhammer series yeah like total war or you mean talking about total war not just like total war but even i guess we're, if we're going to extend it past video games but also like um in tabletop games as well they take a lot of like um, um community feedback on like rules and and stuff like that that's why they have like there's like in the old fantasy warhammer there's like 10 additions to the rules um because they keep on changing them based on like community feedback from like games that take place in games workshop okay so they have you have to play like you can play in games workshop like the actual like place where you buy the models um and so you know that's the 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 big thing but to this extent i don't know of any other major developer that's doing it i don't know if chat knows anyone else that and i'm obviously not an authority on this so um yeah so like i just think that's 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 really interesting um so the beta right now is it's three uh very specific scenarios that they're showcasing uh, very specific parts of the game. I've only played the first one so far, so we did get invites. All three of us got invites. Um, however, I, I'm the only one. We got it. We got them today. Uh, today being August 13th. So they haven't played it yet. I played the first scenario, and it's uh, basically just a part of the game where you explore uh, the map. You just start to learn a little bit of the combat by uh, fighting some neutral things. And then you do some city development. You just kind of learn that aspect of the game. Um, the one of the most interesting parts about that first scenario was was the combat. So uh, later on in the in the other scenarios, they showcased the third scenario today on their stream, and the combat was it was it blew my mind how different how just it's completely different than civilization where in civ you have each unit occupies one tile you can't unit stack which is like which makes sense and then um you know you can't override each other and it's just a turn-based combat everybody shoots each other whatever right pretty straightforward in humankind so there's like these phases okay so you have this this travel phase aka like just all the time like nothing's happening so you can this is where you can stack units okay you can so you can stack like a horse and a uh spearman warrior archer whatever you can stack them all in one unit and you can you can you can go so i think it inherits like i would imagine the lowest movement cost unit and that's the max it can go so if you have a horseman and a warrior it just might not be the best advantage there but maybe your variety would get to better you um so you can move in armies, they call it. So you can have an army of units, which is just a group of units. When you get into combat, right? When you get into combat, that's when it goes into this combat phase. And immediately, if you're the attacker, you have to place your units on the map first. So in the surrounding area of the, of the battle, in like three or four tiles radius, you can place your units on your half of the of, of the radius. So you can like, okay, I want my horsemen on the west side so they can hmm. try to flank around. I can put my warriors in the middle to try to occupy that space, and I'll put my archers in the back so they can shoot from the back. Once the attackers places their units, the defenders then can react to wherever the attackers places units. So it's kind of like an interesting balance of the attackers can get the good spots on the map, but then the defenders can say, okay, since you're there, I can respond this way. So it's kind of like that interesting dynamic of place first, but place good, or place second, but ha know where the enemy's going to be. Then, then, it's a, then it's regular combat. Then it's like your save combat where it's, it's kind of turn-based. Um, there's more to it, but I'm not going to get into it because it's not super important. Um, you know that's. Do you know how that's similar to? No, this is I, a game I, I used to play a long time ago, and I don't know if anyone in chat knows about this or if you know about this game. There's a game called Conquest of the New World. Never heard of it. No. 
and so it's it's an old forex um, um, game. It's basically your your colonies of the new world, and and, and you know, be Britain or or Portugal or Spain, and you can actually declare independence from like the uh, from the mother country and stuff. You can build okay. cities and stuff like that. But the armies move as a single unit on the map, and then when you attack each other, it goes to a new field, and it's like a chess match. Where exactly where you said you put all you you're if you're the attacker, you can put all your units on the field first. And then the other people do it, and then you start taking turns with each other, mm-hmm. attacking okay. them and stuff. And so, it, it that when you put it that way, it kind of reminds me of that format. Um, um, but this game's like an old. This game, like I used to play this game when I was like twelve years old. Yeah. So, this, so I wonder if they kind of took took it from from that, like inspiration from that. That's a good. Yeah. But it, I thought it was like super intuitive that you can you have these armies, but then. You know, because we talked about how in Civ, I think it's Civ Four or maybe Civ Three, the unit stacking, right? And how like you can attack like what seems like a tank, but there's like five tanks in there, and you're like, what yeah. the hell, right? So this one's a little bit different, where there's clearly a number stating how many units are in this army, so you 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 can't really be surprised by that because you can clearly see what's in the army, and then even after that, you have to individually place them anyway. So mm. I thought that was like really interesting. Like, oh, that's really cool. Even the better part about this. So you know how when we do war before we did simultaneous turns, it was kind of like, you know, turn based. Like you do all your turns, like everything. You have to do the whole city management, movement, uh, movement, battles, uh, governor placements, whatever. You you did your entire turn, right? So in humankind, there's like two different things you can control. It goes into this turn-based system, but only that battle is turn-based. So you can do your turns in the battle, and then it's the other guy's turn. While he's taking his turn in battle, you can go to your cities and start doing your city management, your 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 hmm. uh, unit movement that's not in battles. You can just you can do anything else in your in in the game and then when it's your turn you go back to battle like okay now i get move these units and move that and move that attack him and then the other guy's turn and just keep doing your turn so nobody has like this waiting like super wait moment it's everyone can kind of still take their turns at the same time but then you still have this fairness of of turn-based battle now can you like do you retreat as well in the battle if you retreat you can you have an option to retreat yeah so, hmm. so, but like, I, I, I didn't read too much into like the debuffs you get from retreating. Um, my first thought is that you lose units automatically, but then you can get out. Um, I don't know how that works, so I don't really want to speculate too much and okay. spread false information. Um, but yes, you can retreat. It was, it may, but it may also be like if you just misclicked. The attack and you're like oh i didn't mean to do that you can retreat and but that's no cost like you can just do that hmm. um i tried to retreat in the middle of a battle once and it didn't work so the part i left out purposefully is that there's five rounds per turn of battle and there's three question mark turns per battle so i think after the five rounds you have a choice of whether you can press on or you can retreat so i never got to that fifth round so i don't i don't know but they didn't mention that, like, yeah, you can retreat. But then I couldn't do it on round three or five. So I'm like, I don't know when. Oh, I so maybe, like, uh, keeping the battle, like, commits you to a certain number of moves. Yeah. And then after that, so. some certain number of moves, you can you can retreat. Yeah, you have, like, have the choice to, like, press or retreat. So, like, you can just try to minimize your losses that way. Maybe so. Maybe which there's is, no, like... Which is what happens in Conquest of the New World as well. Like, when you set up all your pieces, when someone attacks then they get to attack but you can't retreat until they're done all their attacks mm. right and so that it, yeah it just reminds me of that a little bit it, it was a fun game back back then but wow that's cool that's cool that they basically they, they drew they drew inspiration from other games um the the other important part about this well, game i haven't are, played it yet so I'll, I'll let you know if it's a yeah if it's like yeah a, yeah it just sounds that way to me when it you're, sound, when you're yeah no no it's with the way you, you even described uh your game it sounds exactly the same so the other important aspect to humankind and probably the biggest difference between civilization and or civilization and humankind is eras. So in Civ 6, that's when they introduced these eras and era score and golden ages and, mm-hmm. and everything like that. Uh, however, eras and humankind are way different. 
So I'm going to directly read this from PCGamer.com. So this is a direct quote from them. Uh, There are six distinct eras along the timeline of your campaign, beginning, as you'd expect, with the prehistoric era, the ancient era. In this phase, you're establishing the foundations of your culture, making decisions like where to build your first settlement, whether to split up your tribe to cover more ground and risk being savaged by... These are the neutral neutrals on the map, by the way. Mammoths? Deer? Hmm. Like elk? Which you can hunt, which is incredible. When you see a mammoth, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, or stay together as a stronger unit covering less ground. Then at the end of each era, you pick from a list of 10 cultures you'll choose to represent in the coming era. So what this means is that you can start with a Babylonian culture, because that's what you start with in the first scenario. You start with this Babylonian culture, which focuses on science. When that era is done, you can keep the Babylonian culture, or you can adapt a new one. So in the in the next era, in the Bronze Era, you can say, okay, now I want to adopt the Egyptian culture. I want to adapt the, what does this say here? I can't read the rest of them. But basically, you can, it's, it's not like you pick one sieve like you do in Civilization. You pick a culture for every era, and you can inherit their abilities with every era. So then you kind of mm. like build your own civilization around the cultures of existing ones which I think is really interesting. And it leaves an endless amount of possibilities, uh, even in the middle of a game, of adapting, of like, okay, I, I, don't, I, I built a ton of science with the Babylonians. I don't really need to focus on that right now. Let's focus on growth or let's focus on military now that I have so many good units, right? And I, I think that's so cool. Yeah, and the, the thing that would make that really kind of strange in like the multiplayer universe. So for example, when you play Civ, right? Someone plays Grand Columbia. Okay, well, you know a lot about Grand Columbia already. You know like what kind of special units they have, what they focus on, what their strengths and weaknesses are. I wonder if like, like how we said, like I was saying, how my spy game in, in, in Civ 6 is so bad. Maybe that's, that, that is like <laughs> critical to humankind because how are you supposed to know what someone is focusing on, right? If, if the, if the name much. of their civilization doesn't clue you in, to like what their civilization normally focuses on, you're going to have to figure that out somehow, right? In order to play multiplayer. Otherwise, how do you counter, right? Yeah, I don't know how to answer that. That's a good question. I didn't think about that. <laughs> like for, you know, if I'm playing Manpucci, you know, you know they're going to attack you right early on, right? They're, right, more, right, 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 they're right. you know, and, and if we're playing humankind and no civilization humankind has, you know, what, what they've traded up is that civilization six is like take on, known civilizations throughout history and we'll give them these attributes that we all know them from right romans mm-hmm. right blah, blah blah humankind seems to be more like we're not going to do any of that stuff we're just going to take attributes from human civilizations and you can just kind of jenga your own civilization together right yeah it's and cool so, though it's like really um, cool. which i'm not saying it's bad it's it's just it's way different right and it would have like a really different feel to it i feel right like um um and i, I feel like humankind might be moving more towards because it has that 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 uh, flexibility, it may not be as much of a multiplayer game as as Civilization Six is. It might be more of like a single player, um, maybe kind of a but, build your own adventure game. But they do they do support multiplayer, so we will see. Well, it says like when you go to the Steam page, it says single player and then online PvP. Hmm. So maybe it's not like the regular game when it's multiplayer. That's something I gotta ask, I guess. Um, but it would like I don't know why it wouldn't be the regular game in multiplayer. Like it would make the most sense. There's just got there's I'm just thinking there's gotta be cues that you know yeah. what the other guy is doing. So you know like because if everyone's just playing blind, right? Um it might it just might be color based, like red. And then like they're just always red, no matter who you pick. Hmm. I wonder and then I wonder how it's gonna play out in like does that mean like okay, well, when I'm Civ, when I play Civ Six, I you know I can only get this special unit because I play this one Civ. But I wonder if humankind has special units, but you can like make it so that you get anyone you want, basically. Like you can like move in and and and, or is it more generic, basically? It's well, you get unique units like if depending on the culture you pick, right? So like if you pick Germans, you get like a one specific German unit. But then if you pick on, on the on the reverse side, if you pick instead, you pick England. You get the English unit, so like you, you almost get like a unique unit every time. There's always, there's always something that's good about your, your unique civilization. Hmm, that's interesting too. Because in Civ, it's it's more about timing your Civ 
to peak at a certain time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in humankind, you can like, you know, I guess. It's just like, what's the best path of like focus? Do I focus on science first with Babylons? And then do I go with military? Um, I think some, maybe maybe some cultures don't have a unique unit, but they have like Oh yeah, that's, a, that's what Vector that, Cat says here. You'll be able to tell what cultures a player is leaning towards because some give unique units. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. There we go. Thank you, Vector Cat. Appreciate it. Um, there are 10 cultures in every era and there's six eras right now. So there's 60, um, different cultures. If you want to make a combination of the six and how many you can make, that's what six times, how, what's the math? Is it just like, well, they say over 1 million. Is it, what, what is it like 10 times 10 times 10 times 10 times 10 times 10? So six. Yeah. So is, a million. That, is that, yeah. Well, there, okay. There you go. That's yeah. Hey, we did the math. There's a million different possibilities. It's 10, it's 10 to the power six. Yeah. It's how many, okay, poss- right. how many yeah. possible combinations you have. So there's 10 million then. No, 10 to the 6 is 1 million. 10 to the 6 is yeah. 10 million. 10 to the 6 is is 1 followed by 6 zeros. I thought it was 10 followed by 6 zeros. I think you're right. You're probably right. You're a doctor. You're probably right. I'm not going to argue you. Uh, there's two more things I want to talk about before we end. Um, to settle cities... It's not like you have to build a settler like in civilization. It's you can use any unit as far as I'm concerned. You can use any unit and you build an outpost. So when you build an outpost, there's already like segregated territories already. Right. If you build an outpost anywhere in that territory, you claim the entire territory. Right. And then the outpost, if you have enough money, you can turn it into a city and then you can then build around and produce units out of your city. But until then, it's just an outpost. It's claimed land, but you can, it's so easily, it's not even defendable. You, you can, you can, it can get ransacked and get hmm. killed so easily. And you need to be able to turn it into a city uh, ASAP. There's no builders. You have to instead purchase improvements on everything. It has a more focus. It has a very, very heavy focus on economy, uh, humankind, which Zoe would absolutely just get a kick from. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's a super heavy focus on, on on economy. But I just think it's kind of like weird that like you just you just build an outpost and like there's your city and it's strange. But then you're also limited to uh, this is we're really getting in the weeds here. There there's these things called administrators and generals. So the generals. Uh, in the first scenario, we had there's like 16 generals. What that means is that you can have 16 unique armies on the map before repercussions start to happen, like increased maintenance cost. So uh, basically, one general per army. Administrators is that, but for cities. So at the start of the game, you only have two administrators, so you can only support two cities and in order for you to get more administrators you have to unlock them through technology and so like as you progress through the technology then you unlock another administrator then you can get another city so it's like this like it's just so strange but so fresh and unique and like it might just be that uniqueness that's so different than everybody else that it stands out you know what i mean like like if you you play any civilization you're 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 building you're building settlers right hmm. i think even like with any other forex game you have this unique unit that settles a city whereas in this one it's just it's completely out in left field and like doing its own thing i just think that's interesting it's interesting yeah it is interesting the other and the last thing um certain events can happen and you have to make a usually it's three decisions uh, one in three decisions of how to handle that event. So a really good example of this, uh, what happened to me when I played Babylon, it was the enemy, wasn't really an enemy at the time, but the, the, the an opponent um, came into your palace and brought a board game. And the board game was able to tell prophecies for uh, people that are playing, right? Like a Ouija board pretty much if you want to think of it that way. Hmm. So the Ouija board or the, the game prophesized that a, the king will get killed. Like the king is going to die, right? For your own civilization. So you have a choice. You can pay everybody who's in the room off so they never speak of it again. And you pay a hundred gold, but then nothing else happens and that's it. 
you can let it go and like do nothing and your people start to get unhappy for like 10 turns and they start to decrease your, um, I don't remember what they call it, but basically unhappiness or you can, ah, what was the third one? Um, I think it was just like kill the guy. I don't yeah, know. I, it's gotta be kill the messenger's gotta be one of them, right? Like that, <laughs> I think that, so. that, that happens like in so many historical stories. Like that's gotta be one of the options. Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. But like it was is so you have these like unique events and I remember them saying that there's so there's so many unique events that you can have 500 hours in this game and you're still encountering new things. Like there's they they created so many events and then all of those can like determine they some of them have more lasting effects. One of them was I I still don't know what the outcome of this was, but one of them was you now have a calendar. Like, how do you decide what your calendar is based off? The solar or lunar? So Hmm. how they described it, how they described it and how I interpreted this was, um, it said like, do the, do, uh, solar will allow, um, the changes, the understanding of seasons. And then lunar will, uh, lunar is what people are comfortable with. So how I interpreted that was if you do solar, then your crops will do better because you understand seasons and you'll understand when to plant things and when things are good. Whereas Hmm. in lunar, my interpretation of that was that your people will be happier because it's what they're used to and they don't need to change to anything else. But like I said, I still don't know what the outcome of that was, but that's what happened. I thought it was really interesting. It is interesting. I'm I'm interested to to get my... And like to, to try it out to see what happens. Yeah. The other one I saw, I didn't experience this one, but I saw it somewhere else was you can have a patriarchy, a matriarchy, or just both. Like it doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, that might spark some, some anger in some people. <laughs> well, like, cause we were only getting like little snippets here. Right. And the one thing yeah. that's still a big mystery is like, what is the late game going to look like? It's obviously going to get, knows. it's going to get more Nobody complex, knows. right? It's, it, oh Yeah. And so one of the things you hear, you, you, and this is a good thing, cool thing about um, you know, knowing history is as a general rule, um, as civilizational learning occurs, so the big thing about civilization is that, that that is the bedrock of it, is what's called civilizational learning. It's um, your, the one generation's ability to pass on the knowledge of its generation and generations before it to the next generation. Right. So the okay. biggest step was really was writing. Right. If you're able to write things down, that's enough learning that you can pass on to someone else. Right. We learn from books. Right. And so one of the rules of, of like big history, when you look at the big picture, is that as time goes on and we're able to get more and more civilizational learning, we get more complex social structures and we consume more energy. Right. And so um, um, so as a rule of that, as for the game like this, like humankind, I would see that the, as you move forward throughout the game, the amount of possible outcomes completely starts going up exponentially. Oh yeah. I think there's, this, this game's, I think way more complex than Civ. Like it will be anyway. And so I, I, cause right now in Civ, right. You can, you know, there's something that's, there's a, there's a predictability to Civ, right? You go down a yeah. tech tree um that puts you in a very you know um very predictable position um same idea with humankind there's a tech tree in in humankind but the way that this one is set up where you make these decisions more like it seems that you make smaller bigger decisions more often in this game that deviates the path Mm, right true okay um And so just the way you're you're describing it and so i feel like right now you can choose between like patriarchy and matriarchy right um which is you know, kind of like one of the simplest kind of different ways of ordering a society. But when you go it up, I wonder if they're going to play with that and you move on to, you know, you know, republics or, um, you know, uh, empires and then, you know, what kind of other forms of government and then how are they going to also organize economically? I know in Civ, really the only outcome of choosing like theocracy versus monarchy or something like that is the cards you get to play yeah, and, yeah. and, and some of the, uh, or how many cards you get. And also the bone, each one has a bonus, right? This mm-hmm. one seems like it's setting it up for, it changes like the very fabric of how your society operates. 
right? That, that's just yeah. the way you're describing it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like reaching right now, but no, 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 you're, you're dead on, you're dead on. And like, so yeah, it, it changes just like, so if you have, I'm going to speculate a little bit here. If you choose a, a, a matriarchy, I'm just going to say that like maybe the growth in your civilization, uh, goes up. But if you choose a patriarchy, maybe your military, uh, goes up just on a whim there. And then there's also the option of like, uh, they both can do it. I don't know what that one would do, but maybe that's kind of like the neutral take. Um, but like, yeah, like it, it does determine the future of your civilization just from that like one choice. And, so yeah, there's more paths you can go down. Yeah. And I wonder if previous decisions affect what options you have in the future. It, I, I believe so. Because maybe you choose a patriarchy and then maybe they get overthrown or the vice versa, right? All right. And so... Yeah. And, and from what you say about like the people being unhappy and stuff like that, I feel like they're also going to have probably a, um, more play into revolt, right. Mm -hmm. And doing more with revolts kind of thing and being whether or not you can put them down or something like that. And, and, um, that kind of stuff or, or, um, anarchy might be a little bit more in, in depth in, in this game. Cause it does, it does seem just from like the way you're just, and what I read online that this game is, one of its greatest draws is that it's infinitely more complex than Civ, it looks like, right? But that's a double-edged sword, right? Yeah, it if is. It's, yeah. If it's too complex, it becomes less fun to play, um, especially when, like, the game, if the game becomes too unpredictable, where, like, it seems like if the game is so unpredictable that it doesn't seem like any of your decisions matter, because it's just you can't even move into a certain path, then it becomes kind of like a futile um, um, endeavor. Whereas, you know, but if it's complex enough where you think that you can tailor things very well and have a, a handle on it, it can be very enjoyable to see, you know, starting from like a little tribe and then you get later on in the game and you have this massive civilization that, that you're commanding. Um, now the only thing I don't know, we, we, what are like the win conditions and stuff like that? How do you win? How do you quote win the game? Right. And so they um, have uh, fame, they call it. And I think with every era, somebody earns one, like one civilization earns fame. So whoever, you know, uh, builds like basically, if you want to think of it in Civ terms, who has the most score during that one era? So who, okay. who builds the most wonders, who takes over the most cities, who grows the most, who has the most research, blah, 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 blah. You get a fame or like a star, essentially. And so those stars at the end of it determines who 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 the ultimate winner is. And that's the only win condition. As far as I'm concerned, that is the, in, that is the only win condition is like these fame stars. Hmm. They better, they better not be like the stars in Mario Party. Like, <laughs> no, where, no, where I don't think you, so. Where you get them, and then at the end of the game, they award, like, here's some participation stars, and it's in categories that make absolutely no sense. Um, and then I, I literally, we had someone, when we played that game, we had someone win a game who had the lowest, they had zero stars, right? Mm -hmm. And someone had three stars, but the person won four bonus categories and it was dumb things like who had the best sidekick or something like that and it's just like no no way you can plan for it and so, and so they won the game and i was like okay that's annoying but uh that when you said stars it just reminded me of like super mario party the uh yeah um, no I, I i i it's not gonna be like that i'm reading it right now so there are 21 stars available in each era so the ancient era is just as important as the last era the modern era hmm. right so you need to be on, on your game throughout the entire game in order to win this thing. Awesome, by the way. Um, so there's 21 stars available in each era. Over six eras, that's 126 possible stars that you can earn. You need to earn seven in a given era in order to progress to the next era. And since, yeah, and since the same amount are available in the prehistoric era as the very last, there's less emphasis on the late game than you'd find in a Civ campaign. Oh, so, so the stars can be a way of anchoring the game, right? You can't progress through the era unless you get enough stars. Oh, so yeah, right? you can't choose like another culture until yeah. you get the seven stars. So yeah. it kind of, that yes. helps anchor the game because the way that Civ operates is you get to the next era by just, it happens naturally just by how much science someone has, right? Yeah. Um, yeah whereas yeah. this game, it's like, you have to, you have to actually like do stuff, right? Like 
you can't just like passively move into the Renaissance era, right? You have to like do stuff to get enough stars to get to the you next era. You have to era. actively be on, be active, and yeah, be, like if you if you fall, like you need to get back up. Someone may fall in the future, but you need to get back up as quick as you can, advance that era, and just maybe pick and a because of that, culture that gets you faster. So because of that, one of the things that might be interesting about the game is it may be less able to snowball, right? Like. It, Very it, may, true. it may be harder for you to pull ahead of everyone and it remains competitive for a longer period. Because in Civ, one of the problems is that at some point it's not competitive anymore, right? Someone just like steam steamrolls over people. I also wonder if like once one person gets seven, then everyone advances. That could be a two. Well, that so would it, just, it's... then then you would just steamroll everybody at one point, right? Like, no, well, like, okay, maybe, but. Um, but then everyone can choose the more advanced culture. So like if these more, I don't know if these advanced, like if a modern era culture is better than an ancient culture, like I don't know what the differences are between them. Um, but if that's the case, like if it is better, then it keeps everybody on the same playing field and everyone, uh, I mean, they don't start at zero cities or anything when they move on to the next thing, but everyone starts at zero fame. And fame may be objective based where it's like get this first or uh, mm. they may be like findings, finding it on the map somewhere that may be like capture one city, uh, be the first to capture a city. So I'll, I'll I don't know if they're objective based or not. Yeah, I'll definitely have more to say about this when I when I try out my my, it's my hand at it's, it. And visually, visually, it's absolutely stunning. Um, the art style is incredible. There's clear as day mountains. So in Civ, you know how like you just can't travel up the big mountains, but you can basically go anywhere you want. Yeah. This one, there's there's like hillsides and landslides that you you can't go that way. You have to like go up hills, like inclines around. Hmm. Yeah. So like you can you can hold a spot that has a mountain in front of you as an archer, and just stay there. The person has to go all the way around. You're just shooting them the whole time. Like it's it's you can really take advantage of the terrain. In, in in this game i think it's gonna be really good i'm gonna i think it's gonna be so much fun and we need we need to try it is there any show. um uh indication of when it's gonna come out 2021 is the only indication so okay. we don't know early or late but considering it's pre-alpha i might consider it might be a little bit late next christmas maybe yeah the absolute latest july not july <laughs> december 31st 2021 we promised it was 2021 <laughs> that could be it and it's that sega it. so there's a good chance Sega's the publisher though they're not the developer amplitude's the developer amplitude um i'm not, I'm not saying know, bad because sega but sega has a tendency even when they publish games uh okay. to have delays they have, they have a lot of delays. Uh, I just remember one of my favorite games when I used to play the Dreamcast was Shenmue. Oh my oh, god! That yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That game got like, and and then Shenmue three just ended up being like just god awful. Um, yeah. And so, um, uh, yeah. Don't get me started on that, but yeah. But <laughs> okay. That okay. got delayed forever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Amplitude. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of any of these games. They've made Endless Space. They've made Endless Legend. Dungeon of the Endless. A lot of endless stuff. And and the space too. Look at that. Everything has endless, mm. and then there's humankind. So uh, this will be a really, really interesting game, and something that we will definitely try on a special episode of the Civ Show presents. We're gonna call it Civ Show presents, and we're gonna be playing humankind at some point. Uh, we don't know when though. So whenever it releases, that's when we'll play it. Uh, anything you want to add before we wrap up here? Oh no, I'm very. I'm, you got me a little excited to try it out. I might even try it it's out tonight fun, after we're done, it's, man. <laughs> it's so good. I'm telling you, you gotta play it. All right, uh, thanks everybody for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Be sure to follow us on all of our social medias at the Civ Show. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify, which is maybe where you're listening to us from. And where else are we on? We're also on Twitch. Find us on Twitch at the Civ yeah. Show. And on join our Discord as well if you find us on the Ship Show, um, and then uh, the one thing if you're listening to this on Spotify, check out our YouTube channel. My new episode for Better Know a Leader is uh, now available for viewing. It's on Coupe uh, and the Maori, uh, and so they're there. And then if you want to have input to tell me which one I'm going to do next, uh, you got to join our Discord to let me know who you think I should do next. Not biased. 
it's actually really good. It's really interesting. You you gotta watch Better Know a Leader on Thank the Maori. You. I'm really happy uh, that people are enjoying it. To be honest, like, yeah, it's a labor it's, of love, really. So I'm I'm happy that people are like it's it. fascinating. And I I was even telling a story to Tiffany earlier about something from your video. And I'm like, I'm like it, it sticks. Your video sticks, man. I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. Anyway, go check that out on our YouTube at the Civ Show. Better Know a Leader Maori is what you're gonna be looking for. That is the most recent video. Uh, until then, uh, we'll be back here on Sunday with part two of Big Game Hunters. We're going to see who the ultimate victor is between Korea, Mali, and Rome. And see if I can dig myself out of that hole that I've dug myself into. And see if he can dig himself out of the hole. Maybe none of us win. We have no idea. There are five deity level computers, and it is very hard against three idiotic people because we suck so you don't have to anyway <laughs> Good signing off we'll see you on sunday see you then